Thanks so much for coming. Appreciate you being here. People are coming back to church. I can tell. Thank you guys for coming out. Great to have you guys here. Glad you guys are with us. Very excited about today's message. And so thanks for joining us. I want to say hello to all of our campuses. Also, those who are watching online, thank you for being a part of our services today. Let's start with our mission statement. We always like to start with that. What are we here to do as a church? Say it loud with me. We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thank you for coming out today. We're starting a brand new series today called When Anxiety Attacks, because so many people are dealing with anxiety right now because of all that's going on in our world today, all that's happening with our economies not helping, and maybe you have anxiety already, or maybe there's something unrelated to all the things that are going on in the world, but just in your own personal life. So we want to talk about this because we all face this. Have you ever had a shortness of breath or a tightness in your chest where you just can't figure out what's going on, but you just know you have anxiety and you feel like it's just overwhelming you. You ever had that? Raise your hand if you've ever had that. I think it's very common for many people to deal with that. We, we've all had that before. In fact, David dealt with that. I want to show you scripture where he literally has an anxiety attack. Psalms 55, he says this, Fear and trembling have come upon me. Horror and fright have overwhelmed me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Now, when I first read it, I thought, it, it, that's not saying that, is that saying that, that he may not want to live anymore? It could mean that. We don't really know whether it's just, I'm so stressed, I want to run away, or I wish I wasn't even on this earth. But either way, he clearly is overwhelmed with fear, with anxiety, with stress, with worry, with concern. And so he literally is having basically what would be called an anxiety or panic attack. And so it's not uncommon. And the reason I want to point this out about David is because David was said to be a man after God's own heart. So, so please don't think, well, how could this be happening to me? I'm a spiritual person. I'm a Christian. I love God. It can happen to people who love the Lord deeply. It happened to David. It, uh, Moses dealt with a lot of anxiety. Elijah had a lot of anxiety. I mean, all throughout Scripture, there's no way you're going to convince me that Mary and Joseph, when her water breaks and they don't even have a hospital, you don't think that was some anxiety-inducing moments right there? I mean, so you can imagine, right? So all throughout Scripture, we see great godly people who had real issues with anxiety. So I want to talk about this today, and I hope and pray this will really help you. Can we just stop and pray real quick? I believe this is going to be a spiritual moment for us today. And I'm believing that God's going to do something in and through each and every one of us. Lord, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the privilege you have to seek you, to know you. And God, we just thank you that you want to release the stress and fear that we carry. And Father, we love you. We thank you, God, that you are bigger than all that's going on in our world. And so we pray, God, that you would use this message to speak to each and every one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. If you got your Bibles or your Bible app, you can turn to Judges chapter 6. We also have our notes on the Church Unlimited app. If you don't have that, please download that. All the things I'm teaching you are right there in the notes. Uh, we're talking about Judges chapter 6 today, a guy named Gideon. I, I had to really kind of look at Gideon with fresh new eyes because one of my first books I wrote called I Dare You to Change is all about Gideon. And so, but I, I began to look at this a little differently from the way I first taught on it because uh, when I look at Gideon, I realize he was living an anxiety-filled life. And so maybe you feel that way right now, or maybe if you, it comes in spurts like it did with David, or just hit him all at once. I'm not sure how it happens for you, but we all have anxiety. We're doing, what's anxiety? It really is just fear that you're being overwhelmed by. That's really what anxiety is. And so I want to unpack this. Look at Judges chapter 6. 
It says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Now, the first thing I want to say, it says here that the, Israel, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So they had kind of walked away from God. They, they, they weren't following him. It wasn't that they were necessarily in open rebellion, but they were basically saying, eh, you know, I'm, we're good. I don't need to necessarily worry about that. So I'm sure there were people that were openly in rebellion to God, but probably a lot of people were just kind of being casual in their faith. Okay. And so you probably have a little bit of both going on, but the whole nation is really not seeking after the Lord. So God says, Hey, you know what? I'm going to give you over to the Midianites. The Midianites was another group of people basically says, I'm going to let them come in and, and basically run you. And so did God cause evil to happen? No, but God will allow it to happen at times to get our attention. And so here you've got this going on. And so, you know, it says here it happened for seven straight years. Now, that's a long time. Now, I'm not here to say that COVID-19 is going to last for seven years. I pray it doesn't. <laughs> I don't think it's going to last nearly that long. But I also will have to admit that it's lasted longer than I thought it was going to. Would you agree with that? I think none of us thought when we were told take two weeks off from the economy that it would turn into, you know, months, not just weeks. So I think we're all a bit shocked by that. But here's the great news. It says here that, that the Midianites, they, they ran the, Israelite for, the Israelites for about seven years. That means there was an expiration date. I've got some good news for you. Whatever you're going through right now, there's an expiration date to it, but God does not expire. So he will outlast whatever you are facing in your life today. So keep that in mind. But let me keep going to Scripture. It says, The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Meridian, uh, sorry, from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the donkeys, and in our case, the toilet paper, right? <laughs> they took it all. Okay. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on, on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. So the Israelites were reduced to starvation. Do you feel a little bit reduced right now? I know as a church, this is frustrating, but we used to have nine campuses. We had six physical locations, and then we had, uh, and we had three uh, basically prison ministries and then online. So at all these campuses, we've been reduced from nine to one. That's, that, I felt the reduction. Now, don't get me wrong. We love our online campuses. They're awesome. Can we just give it up for all of our volunteers and our staff that run our online campus? It's amazing. We're so thankful for it. But our church is designed with 90 staff members to have lots of open physical locations as well. And so we got reduced to, to having one very strong, thank God, online presence. And we're just now starting to come back and open all of our, our physical locations up. And so, but we are still not like at the broadcast campus where we used to be. It's a little frustrating, you know? Maybe in your business it was reduced, right? You're like, well, we used to have all this going on and now we have a little bit going on. It can be frustrating to not be at full power, to not be what you know is the full potential that you have, to feel like you're way under that. It can be frustrating. So that's what Israel must have felt. But, but we forget that Israel as a nation, how did this all begin? They began to do evil in the Lord's sight. They began to blow off God. And so I wonder if there's another nation that if they're honest, maybe the issue that they're facing isn't really the issue. Maybe the issue is that they've been blowing off God that they used to be one people 
not broken apart in different groups, angry at each other, but one nation under God. Maybe the real issue isn't skin, it's actually sin. Maybe the real issue is that we have kind of gotten away from the real simple principle of God, you have blessed me and I want to honor you with my life and I want to remember the foundation of which I stand on is because of Christ and what he's done for me and it's time to go back to that. Would that not solve almost every problem we have if we just got back to the Lord? Boy, it got quiet in here. I think we need to get back to some simple things and put the Lord first in our lives. And if we do that, how many of our problems would suddenly be fixed? Does that make sense? And so Israel kind of walked away. But, but it says here they were reduced to starvation. And then they cried out to God for help. So they did go back to the Lord and realize, God, we need you. And so this is not to beat us up or to beat Israel up. Hey, you know what? They did get it right. Like, hey, we, we want to get back to honor the Lord. So they cried out to God for help. And so number one, would you write this down? Fear often comes from uncertainty and difficult times. In other words, it's real. We're not, we're not suggesting that the anxiety you're feeling is, is not real. And I want to be real clear here too, that um, I am not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV. Okay. So I am not trying to tell you that you should, you know, get off your meds or do this. No, 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 no. You should go talk to your doctor. And there's a lot of great doctors with a lot of wisdom. There's godly doctors too. You can go to Christian doctors, lots of options. They don't have to be a Christian to be smart, by the way. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong if you have some chemical imbalances in your body with getting some help. I know some really strong Christians that love the Lord that have had to get some stuff right. And, and part of that was, was taking something. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, oh, you're unspiritual if you do that. Not at all. Lots of people that, that the, the chemical imbalances of their body requires that. We understand that, okay? But what I am saying is that make sure we're not trying to mask a larger issue with that. We want to make sure that we are right with the Lord. We're honoring God. So, Pastor Bill, are you saying that Americans are right with God and that's why COVID's happened? Well, first of all, COVID didn't just happen to America. It's happened to the whole world. But I do think that does the Lord cause evil? No, but the Lord will use things in this world to get us to draw back to him. So my question for you is, how bad does it have to get before you turn back to God? So let's turn to God. Let's make sure that he is first in our lives. But fear often does come. It comes through uncertainty and difficult times. And there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Maybe you're like, yeah, I don't even know my kids are going to school or not. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't know what's happening in the economy. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. You know, I mean, there's a lot that's going on in our world today that's a little crazy. And we're trying to figure out what, what to do next. We just don't know. And then everything gets ex exacerbated with an election year and all the craziness of what was going on and people are angry with each other. It's just, it's a crazy year. Can we admit that 2020 has not turned out like we thought? It's true. It's true, right? But there is still a God who loves you. And that hasn't gone away. And I think anxiety comes on us because our expectations weren't met. What we thought this year was going to look like didn't happen. And that can lead to a lot of anxiety. Look at verse seven. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and all from, from all those who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. So God says, Hey, look, you know what? You cried out to me. I sent a prophet to you. And basically you ignored him. You ignored the preacher I sent to you who was preaching the word of God and you blew him off. And instead you began to follow your own ways 
and, and follow, you know, it says here, the God of the Amorites. What that means is that you just did what was popular. Like whatever the popular philosophy of the day was, you went with that. Instead of holding the line and sticking with God's truth. I think we have to admit that that stuff is encroaching upon us too. The popular things of this world when God has his way instead. And I'm trying to say everything bad is about the world. No, there's, there's lots of good too. But we need to recognize also there's a lot of stuff that's, that's floating around that is not honoring God. And we need to make sure we hold the line to be who God calls us to be. This is really important though. Guess what this uh, preacher is saying? He's saying, hey, don't forget God saved you before. He'll save you again. Like, don't forget, remember you used to be under Egyptian rule and I set you free from that. And so now you're worried about the Midianites when I already, you were under the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, and I took care of that problem. So why would I take care of this? Can I just remind you guys of scariest COVID-19? We've already, come, we've already overcome the bubonic plague. It was way worse. Guys, we've overcome Hitler. So why are we freaking out over something that we can overcome? We can do this. God has given us the strength, the knowledge. I'm not suggesting that what we're facing isn't real. What I'm suggesting is that we can do this. It's manageable. And I understand my father is over 80 years old. I do not want him getting COVID-19. I understand your fears. I get it. I have some of those myself. But it doesn't mean that God's still not in control and that we will not get through this. And maybe you're getting through this. It has nothing to do with that. Maybe, maybe you're personally dealing with something. And I want you to know God will help you get through this. You have probably, with the Lord's help, already overcome greater obstacles. And so God was there for you in the past. He'll be there for you again. Number two, don't forget, God has rescued you before. He has. And he will rescue you again. He will help you. He is there for you. And so call out to him. Now, at this point, they, they called out to God. God sent a prophet. He basically brought his word to them, and they ignored it. And now God personally gets involved. Check it out. It says, then the angel of the Lord. Now, for those of you who don't know what angel of the Lord means, that means that God came in the form of an angel. So he's like, I'm going to show up now. He's like, okay, you blow off my word. Now we're going to have a talk. So the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah. Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. So Gideon... Is, is one of the guys in Israel, and he, he's, he's hiding behind a tree, and he's, he's threshing wheat. Basically, he's making himself a, a meal, and he's hiding. And as he's hiding, he makes sure the Midianites don't see him. An angel shows up and says, mighty hero, how are you today? <laughs> Midian, I mean, Gideon does not look like a hero right now. He's literally hiding. He's the opposite of a hero, right? Mighty hero, how are you? I mean, he's, he's like, what? Like, I'm literally hiding and just trying to have lunch, and you're calling me a hero. You know what I love about this? This is such, so powerful because God does not speak to you and I as we are. He speaks to you and I as he knows we can be. So he speaks to your potential. He says, I know you're in hiding right now, but I see a hero. He talked to David. He didn't say, hey, David, hey, shepherd boy. He said, hey, king, I know you're a king right now. The world sees you as a shepherd boy. You see yourself as that, but I know who you really are. You're actually King David. And so God is drawing the king and the queen out of you as well. You have way more in you. You are built for more. God is speaking to you today saying, please do not get locked into the way you see yourself today because I see a whole lot more in you. <laughs> Isn't it good to know that? He sees more in you. And so he says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord has brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over 
to the Midianites. Well, he's right on one account. The Lord had, at that point, handed him over to the Midianites, but, but the Lord hadn't abandoned him. The Lord was just letting him learn a lesson. And so basically, God's like, well, I, I'm, I'm still here for you, but I am now getting your attention through what's, what's going on. And so what's happening here? Number three, get ready for a come-to-Jesus meeting. Parents, you know what the come-to-Jesus meeting is, don't you? All the parents in the room, they're like, right? So when you talk to your kids, you're like, oh, no, we're going to have a talk. We're about to have a come to Jesus meeting, right? You ever had that with your kids, right? Why would it be any different with God with us? We've blown them off. We got ourselves in trouble. God sent a prophet. We blew off the prophet's words. And so now God's like, okay, you know what? I'm not sending a representative. Now I'm coming down myself. Like we're going to have a talk right now. Mano a mano. Let's do this. And so God wants to talk to you today as well. And I believe this may be a loving confrontation that God wants to have with you saying, hey, we need to talk. Because you're not getting this. You're now, instead, of, instead of this turning to, to, to the Lord, now you're just all panicked and freaked out. You're still not turning to God. It's time to turn and trust the Lord and trust that he has you. And so get ready for a come to Jesus meeting. And I believe this may be that for you, that God is getting your attention, getting my attention, because he has something he wants to tell us. Now then look what happens next. So now Gideon, is, he, I don't think he's quite figured out who this is yet talking to him. But he realizes something's going on here. And so he starts to question God a little bit. Then it says this, verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. (laughs) What? So this is the guy that got picked out of all the Israelites to set them free from the Midianites. Like, I'm going to raise you up. You're going to be a great leader. You're going to go straight up gladiator style on them. And you're going to lead them. He's like, what? Like, this is not... If Gideon's friends or family would have been around, they'd have been like, Lord, could you please pick someone else? This is not the guy we would have picked. It's like God said, and this is your mighty hero, and out walked Danny DeVito. You're like, please, Lord. This cannot be who you just picked out. There's got to be someone else, right? And you're like, no, no, this is it. This is the hero right here. And you're thinking, oh, man, this is not what I thought. Because you know what? God always picks people who are not qualified. Congratulations. That's why you and I got picked. He uses those who aren't qualified. Mighty hero. And so here he shows up. He's in hiding. Angel says, mighty hero, I'm going to use you. You're going to go set the Midianites free. I mean, you're going to go set the Israelites free from the Midianites. I'm going to use you to conquer them. I mean, he's thinking, I don't feel like much of a hero, but that's exactly why God used him. Now, I want to tell you something that, that, that may surprise you. This is very important for you to know, because we've begun to believe a lie. The lie is, that, well, I just can't do anything. There's just nothing I can do about any of this. That's simply not true. Number four, you are not powerless. You are not powerless. God is with you. Now, I want to tell you something that may surprise you, though. This is very important that you hear me when I say this. I want to be real careful when I say this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to suck some hope out of the room. It's going to suck some hope from you before we put hope in you. Okay? Some of you are like, wait a minute. Pastor, aren't you supposed to be bringing us hope? Yes, but right now I need to take a little away because it's a false hope. So I need to tell you something loud and clear. Once you hear me, this, this is going to maybe surprising to you. Especially those of you who are going to question, wait, is this really in the Word of God? I promise you it is. Listen loud and clear, okay? Hear me out. Right now, you're facing a situation. Maybe you're in a crisis. Maybe you're really filled with anxiety. Maybe you're getting those anxiety attacks, or maybe you just had this steady feeling of fear and worry. I need to tell you something loud and clear. Listen to me. No one is coming to rescue you. No one's coming. No one's coming to save you. Now, let me tell you why. Because they've already come. His name is Jesus. He already came to save you. Okay? Now, I want to help you with this. Jesus came. 
He died on the cross. He, care this, he took care of the sin problem that we all have. Then he rose again from the grave. And then he said this. He said, now that I've done that, he said, now all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples. And he says, and, I, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he says this. He says, and lo, I am with you always. Always means through COVID, through race riots, through difficulties, through wars, through problems, through betrayals, through pain, through cancer, through legal issues. You name it. He says, I'm with you always. I'm always going to be with you. But this is important. We keep waiting for another Savior. They're not coming. I need to tell you something loud and clear. The government will not save you. They won't. The government is as confused and scared as you and I are. If you had not figured this out yet, I don't mean this ugly, they don't know what they're doing either. They're making up as they go. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not, because I'm not saying we would do any better. I'm just trying to help you understand. The government's not going to save you. A lottery ticket is not going to save you. Single ladies, a man is not going to save you. I'm just telling you right now, a man is not a plan. They're not going to save you. In fact, maybe you're end up being a single mom because you thought a man was going to save you and that didn't work out. And, and, and single men, a woman is not going to save you either. Your parents aren't supposed to save you. I am also not going to save you. I am just a man. But Jesus has already come to save you. He's already come. So what does that mean? That means Christ died for you, paid the price for you. Then he, then he, what, he rose again. He said, I've given all authority back to you. He said, I have all the authority now on heaven and earth. I've, I've claimed he already had heaven's authority. Then he came and took care of the sin problem. Now he has earth's authority. And he says, and now I have all authority. Now I'm dispensing that authority to you to go and do my work. Now this is really important. Listen, listen, listen. God is not going to do it for you. He's going to do it through you. Now listen, listen, listen. Oh God, Lord, if you'll just pay off my debt. Oh Lord, if you'll just, no. He says, I'm not paying off your debt. I'm gonna instead empower you to learn the spiritual and biblical principles of stewardship so that you can pay off your debt. Because if God just wiped out your debt, if you got a call from a credit card company and they said, this is so cool, God himself called us, paid off your debt, you owe nothing. That would be so great. The problem is, is that you would not have learned any lessons and you would get you in the same problem five years later. It's the same reason why when your you know, friend or family member called you and asked for that loan to pay it off, you didn't. Why? Because you know, that's not going to fix it because you haven't changed how you operate. And if you operate like you have been in the past, you'll just indebt yourself more, right? Oh, Lord, if you will just give me a brand new marriage, if you just replace this spouse of mine with someone awesome, then the problem is, is that you don't realize all the contributions you made to making that marriage the way it is. And the problem is if you divorce thinking I'll just get a new spouse, you unfortunately had to take you with you. <laughs> so you'll recreate those problems with a new spouse. And some people are on their second, third, fourth, fifth marriage, and they still don't know why. I don't know what. There's just no good people in this world. I just don't understand <laughs> And it never dawned on them that maybe God wants to change me. And so, oh, Lord, if you'll just change my teenager, if you'll just turn them around. Well, God can certainly do that. But God also wants to change you in the way you lead them. And so what I'm trying to say is, is that God does not fix our problems. He fixes us so that we can fix our problems. Well, if there's really a God of love, then why are, why are there starving children in Africa? We want to ask God. I'm going to ask God. With it. When I get face to face with God, I'm going to say, Lord, why did you let children starve in Africa? And he's going to look back at you and say, yeah, why did you? With all that food you had in your country. 
I mean, you guys are getting fat in your country. So why didn't you ship some of that over to help kids who were starving? See, guys, the truth is this. We are looking for answers when we are the answer because Jesus has changed us. So please don't panic when you're supposed to be the one calm. We're supposed to be the people who have the answers. This doesn't mean we always know what to do. If you said, Pastor Bill, what do you do next right, right now? I got to be honest, I don't really know, but I know who does. I know if I'll stay faithful. I don't have to have answers all the time. I just have to have a relationship with God. And he will guide, and he will show us what's next, and he has got this. So I want to challenge you to understand this. God is with you. He's what you need. He already sent his son. He already sent a savior for you and for me, which means you're the one. You are the one to get out of this problem. You say, well, I just need the Lord to help me out, to show me how to fix my career. And God says, I already empowered you. You're going to fix your career. You fix it. You change it. But we keep waiting on the Savior. You know, we're like, but Lord, uh, Pastor Bill, you don't know how, how bad it is in my life right now. I mean, I'm like in this basketball game. It's the fourth quarter. I'm down by 20 points. But wouldn't it be cool if God gave you LeBron? You'd be like, well, I was down by 20, but I mean, I got LeBron. So I think I can still pull this off. Well, you got way better than LeBron, man. You got Jesus. And so if he enters your game, you're good. We forget that. We have the Lord on our side. And even if it's just you and God, you're still a majority then. If you have God on your side. So look, look how Gideon replies. I love this. It's so classic because we reply the same way. Gideon replied. I love this. He says, I'm sending you. But then what does Gideon say? But Lord. Check it out. He says, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest and I'm the least in my entire family. He's like, I'm the, I'm the runt of the runts. That's what he's basically saying. There's no way. I can't do it. But Lord, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. But he says, but Lord, don't we have a lot of buts? But Lord, I can't do it. But Lord, I'm, I'm too young. But Lord, I'm too old. But Lord, I passed my prime. But Lord, I don't have an education. But Lord, I don't know the right people. But Lord, we always have a but. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm looking around now, I see a lot of big butts. <laughs> and they're getting bigger because of COVID, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so here's the deal. We, pray for me, I'm not really that spiritual, I know, I just, just pray for your pastor, I, I, I know, it, it's bad, I know. Here's the truth, is that we always want to give the Lord our butt. But God, you can't use me, but God, I got this problem, but God, I got that, but God... God says, don't give me your excuses. Give me your obedience. Just obey the Lord. That's why he said, you're going you're gonna to beat the Midianites, but you're going to beat them like you're just fighting one guy. So I know it looks really daunting right now, but just, just one fight at a time, Gideon, one fight at a time. Just obey me. I got you. The Lord's got you. You are not powerless because the Lord is with you. Now look what happens next. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. I love that. There's an angel standing in front of him. Could you just show me a sign? There's an angel in front of you. Don't you love that? Are you like that? Are you like, there's literally, oh, an angel in front of you. I just wish God would show me a sign. He's like, I'm blowing and floating. What else do you need? Yet he is still wanting a sign. I know you think, oh, that's hilarious. I mean, I would never, I mean, if I had that, I would definitely fall. I don't know about that. Because we all say it, don't we? Have you ever said this? You said, well, you know what? Some of you have been dragged to church. You've got your arms full. You're like, I don't even want to be here. I don't believe all this stuff. And so you're like, you know what? I'd follow God if he would just show up in front of me. Then I would. 
Did not follow him. Really sure about that? Because Jesus did show up. And they still doubted him. Think about that. In fact, they actually said to Jesus' face, the face of God, right in front of them, they said, we just want you to show us a sign. And he said, you faithless generation. He's like, I am in front of you. I am standing here. And I told you who I am. You don't believe me. In fact, he died on the cross. All his disciples knew it and saw it. He rose again. He showed up in front of the disciples. He has a hole in his hand where there, was a, where there was a nail. He's got holes in his feet where there were nails. He shows up alive after they saw him die. And he's like, hey, what's up? And Thomas is like, yeah, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> he's still doubting. And there is a resurrected God in front of him. And he's still like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I've seen some Spielberg movies. You can maybe pull this off. Still doubting it. The reason why is because I don't care how much evidence God gives you, at some point you just have to choose to believe. And you can also have all the evidence in the world right in front of you. You can choose to not believe. The choice is actually yours. So let's just set aside the big but, the excuse, and recognize at some point you just have to place faith in a God you can't see over the evidence of a world going crazy of what you can see. At some point you just have to choose faith. And so he says, God, could you show me a sign? I'm not trying to run down Gideon. He asked for multiple signs. And we oftentimes want a sign from God too. But could this message be a sign for you? Could it be that right now you're like, okay, this is crazy because you don't even know what I'm going through, Pastor, and you're talking right to me. I get people, they say to me all the time, man, did you get my emails or something? What's going on? It's like you're talking right to me. I'm not that good. God's that good. That is a sign from God. He is speaking to you. So take it as a sign that it is. Show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I really wanted to stop short of this verse. I really wanted to kind of finish up on the last point and stop because as a pastor, I really did not want to go back into offering because I just talked about that last week a little bit with the, the guilt offering, right, and the ordination offering. And now this is about, I'm like, oh, I feel like, oh, just only bring up offerings. And then it really hit me that I am being such a wuss. Because I have fears too, just like you do. One of my fears as a pastor is you looking at me going, oh, once again, look at that. Preacher comes down to money. This not. No. That's actually not what this is saying at all. So please open your heart and let me explain what this offering is actually. So he says, please show me a sign that it's really you. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. Now, by the way, all throughout the Old and New Testament, good luck finding a place in, in the Bible where God didn't show up that they didn't bring him an offering. Because when you're in the very presence of God, you want to give something to him because you realize all he's done for you. So he says, please stay here. I'm going to go make an offering and bring it to you. The angel could have said, no, 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 it's okay, man. You're broke. I know. I realize how hard times are in Israel. You barely have your lunch. And he goes, no, 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 no. It's amazing. Even when you're broke, you're like, no, 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 no. I want to honor you. I'll be back. I can bring something. So he goes and he gets some food, cooks it up and brings us before the angel. Now check it out. Because see, my thought would be, oh, I would just say, skip that, don't worry, things are tight. But in God's economy, he's like, no, 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 honor me, and I'll take care of you. I just think it's interesting that he still gave to the Lord when things were not going well in his life. I'm gonna tell you what that looks like in just a moment. He answered, I will stay here until you return. So the, the angel didn't say, no, no, don't worry about that. He said, no, I'll stay here, go ahead. I'll wait. Wow. Why? This is the angel of the Lord. So the Lord's like, I deserve to be praised. I'll wait till you praise me. I'll wait till you honor me. I'll wait till you bring an offering to me. So then Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat and presented them to the angel. The, the angel of God said to him, place the meat in the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Now, let me stop right there. Have you done what you're told? 
Are you saying, oh God, please take care of this problem. Please fix this. Well, the Lord's over here going, but I, I told you to do this and that. And you didn't do that yet. So let me get this straight. You want to skip where I told you to do this and do that, but yet you want me to answer this? Do what you're told first. Don't ask God for a miracle till you do what you're told. Has God told you to do something that you've been waiting on? Well, let me mull that over. Well, you can do that, but the Lord, while you're asking God for a miracle, may be mulling it over too to see if you're going to be obedient to him. Will we obey God? Will we do as we're told? Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff. Fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had, he had brought. Now, when's the last time you saw fire shoot up from a soup? This is a miracle. This doesn't make sense. This is all wet, and yet fire sprang from it? No, this is clearly a miracle of God. This is something, I don't know that much about physics, but I do know that fire does not come from water. This is clearly a miracle that God has just done. And so it consumed all, the fire consumed all that Gideon had brought, the, the entire offering, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Poof, he's gone. Now look what happens. When, the, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now this is important. Gideon grew up a good little Jewish boy. He grew, up in, he grew up knowing the word, and so this means they were living in a promised land. By the way, keep in mind, he was hiding and living in misery in his promised land. Isn't it funny that this is the country everyone's trying to get to? Doesn't look like that right now in the streets, does it? And this is the place everyone's trying to get to. So you can actually mess up a promised land. God's like, you don't put me first. I don't care how good the land is, you'll mess it up. So I think God's has our attention. So at this point, he consumes this offering, then he goes away, Gideon realizes, oh my goodness, this really is the presence of God I've been in front of this whole time. I thought it was just some guy I was talking to, I was challenging him, and he said he's, you know, who he is. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, there's no God. This no. He realized it really is God, and then he realized, he knows the law, the Jewish law, and he realized, I should be dead. The presence of God was in front of me, and I, I have not been honoring God, that means I should be dead. Because he knows the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies only after a sacrifice has been made and stand in the presence of God for just a few minutes is all he could do for once a year, a few minutes. Because the sacrifice for the atonement of that high priest's sins were taken out of the animal to give him access to God. And so he says, I shouldn't even be alive right now. How am I alive? And I love this. I want to show you something. Because people tell me all the time, well, you know, the Old Testament's all about the law. The New Testament's all about grace. I disagree. The Old Testament has a lot of law and the New Testament has a lot of grace. But guess what? The Old Testament has a lot of grace. And the New Testament also has a lot of law. Because Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. So think about this for a second. When he said, I know, you, I can't live, why am I alive? I'm doomed, you're gonna kill me, God, because I, I can't stand in your holy presence. And then God says something that's so beautiful. It's so simple. He says this, he said, well, well it's all right. And I wanna say something to you today. Those of you who came in here with some guilt, and some shame, and you know the things you've done, the places you've been and who you've been with. God wants to tell you right now, it's all right. That's why he came. It's all right. Quit trying to clean yourself up before you take a shower. That's what the shower's for. Jesus is the shower. It's all right. He forgives us. He makes us new. He removes that past from you forever. Glory to God. Thank you for your goodness that you forgive me, God, that you give me a second chance. Can anyone else relate to needing the grace of God in here? 
thank you for your goodness, right? God says, it's all right. I didn't come to condemn you, Gideon. I came to help you. It's all right. Then he says this. The Lord replied, don't be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom. You know what Shalom means? The Lord is peace. You came in with anxiety. You're supposed to leave with peace. He wants to fill your heart with peace. What does this mean? Number five, offer yourself fully to God and he will give you his peace. Now, once you know something, he gave Gideon peace before he removed Gideon's enemy. We keep thinking, well, if you'll just take care of this problem, then I won't have stress. And God's like, no, you'll stress about something else then. In fact, I think the psalmist said in 23rd Psalm, he said, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You didn't run my enemy off. You just taught me to eat, have a nice meal and be relaxed right in front of my enemy. Because guys, you're always going to have problems. So you got to learn to have peace in the midst of your problems. Now, I want to go back to the offering for just a second. I want to say something. It's going to be a little crude, but it's only for illustration's sake. If I were to go home today and I were to clean the kitchen and help out with the kids and do stuff around the house and just do general things I know my wife likes, that'd be really sweet of me to do that. I'm sure she's kind of hoping I'm going to do that today, right? But then at the end of that, if I go into the bedroom that night and I go, hey, babe, clean the kitchen, help out with the kids, just a bunch of stuff, so we're going to do it, right? She'd be like, what was that? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I helped out in the kitchen. I helped with the kids. So we're like going to be intimate, right? I mean, I think the ladies in here are probably even offended at the thought of this. You'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was this a business deal? Is this like a transaction we're making here? Because you would say, ladies, I, I'm not being bought here. I'm hoping you're cleaning the kitchen and helping out with the kids just because you love me. Because you're a man of the house plugged into this family. Because there may be a day, and I hope this day doesn't happen, that I get so sick or ill or my wife gets so sick or ill, that those moments won't be possible. But that could happen. And last time I checked, I signed up for in sickness and in health. For better or for worse. For richer or for poorer, right? So my relationship with my wife is not a transactional agreement. It's a relationship. So why did the angel wait for an offering? Because Gideon was saying, I'm not going to bring an offering because things are going good. I bring an offering because I bring an offering. Because I just love you. Because I want to have a relationship with you, God. An offering wasn't even about an offering. In fact, the last point really is to offer ourselves to God. You want to write that down. Offer yourself to God. That's what this is about. And let me tell you why this is a big deal, because sometimes we live transactional with God. And maybe this is part of your anxiety, because you may think you signed a contract with God that you actually didn't sign. You think that there's a contract where God signed one side, you signed the other, and the contract goes something like this. Lord, I'll honor you and I'll bless you if you always make my life good. <laughs> he never agreed to that. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've seen the scripture, and it says, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. I've seen the scripture where it says that if you'll honor and obey my commands, I will bless you, and I will not curse you. All that's true, but did you think that him blessing you means there's no problems? Oh, you thought there wasn't going to be problems in this world? Because John, the apostle John, the guy who was super tight with Jesus, is the one who gave us the scripture that said, in this world, you will have trouble. So apparently, we are going to have problems still, while God blesses us. 
So maybe your anxiety is because you thought there was like, oh, I thought it was always going to be good, God. And, and, you know, all I had to do is love you. And then you'll always make sure it's smooth sailing and the economy only goes up and everything's good. And there's no fights in my family. And we always get along. And it's all, no, 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 there's no agreement for that. He never said that. That's a transaction. That's not a relationship. That's a business deal. God doesn't do business deals. He doesn't do transactions with you. He wants a relationship. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Period. Good or bad. And Gideon finally got it. He said, yeah, things are bad. This is a mess. But you're God and you've given me grace. And I may be broke, but I'm going to find something to honor you with. God says, thank you, Gideon. Now I'm going to use you greatly to change this world. Because what we really need, guys, is not a better economy. I'd love one. What we really need is not for oil to go up. I'd love that too. What we really need is not a new government or an old government or whoever you think should be in office. That's really not going to change that much, to be honest with you. And even if you get your guy, your guy will be out of office pretty soon and you'll be fighting over the next one. We need a relationship with God. That's what we need. No more transaction. It's a relationship. That's what he desires from you and from me. And my favorite part of the scripture is that he experienced shalom, peace, while there was still an enemy out there. He fixed Gideon. Then Gideon, with the authority of Christ, fixed the problem. So right now, I want to ask you just to bow your heads. And I want to encourage you to pray. But we're going to do a different kind of prayer. My friend the other day came by and saw me, and he was just stressed. And He's a great guy. loves the Lord. Wasn't a relationship problem between him and God. Not at all. He loves the Lord. He's just overwhelmed. Happens to me too. And I've learned to do something when I'm overwhelmed. This has been taught to me from others. And I taught him this, and I want to teach you this too. So if you're overwhelmed right now, here's what I want to teach you right now to do. I want you to breathe in the Holy Spirit. Breathe out your fear. Would you join me right now? Breathe in the Holy Spirit. Deep. Breathe out your fear. I don't know what you're going through right now, but would you just breathe in the authority of Jesus? Breathe in his forgiveness. Breathe out your fear. Holy Spirit, I breathe you in. I breathe out my worry. When you begin to sense his peace coming over, you just lift your hand high to him and praise him. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. Breathe out your fear. When you sense him, lift your hand high. Thank you, Jesus. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. Breathe out your fear. How many of you sense the Lord right now? How many of you sense the Lord? Praise God. Praise God. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, he already came for you. He died for you. He rose again. All authority has been given to him for you to live your life now. You just need him. Pray this prayer with me. You can pray it out loud across all of our campuses, all those watching online. Just say this out loud. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I just need you. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. 
I trust my life in your hands. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for giving me your peace through a relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.